Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture passage today comes from the book of Isaiah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it, and many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths." For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord today. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I am not John. I feel compelled around here when you introduce yourself to, to say, I used to be one of your pastors, right? It is good to be with you today. The theme for this Advent season, and before I jump into it, I am supposed to relay to you a message from Pastor John that he loves you, that he misses you, uh, that the surgery has been successful. He already has hearing restored to the ear. Apparently, he has a bionic ear now. So he said he'll be lifting weights with it soon, I'm sure. Um, but he's doing well and he misses you. Don't we have a great pastor? Amen. Amen. And so, his wisdom may be in question, however, by putting me up for first Sunday of Advent, but we'll see about that. But the, the theme of this season is wonder. And, and I can't help but think that it is somehow wrapped up in the perspective of a child. This, this idea that that somehow children have something to say to us about the posture or the perspective of wonder. And as, as many of you know, or most of you know, uh, Mayla and I, as, as we have raised our adult children, we have a, a, one son in particular, Bennett, who uh, is, is close to 30 now. And his beautiful autistic mind sort of keeps him in this permanent childlike state. And so he says some of the most amazing things. A while back we were talking about him coming to church. And so if you've ever been hurriedly pushed out of your Sunday school classroom by a six foot one uh, man child, it's our son who has come so that he can do his internet routine in your Sunday school room. But a while back we said, hey, wouldn't you like to come in and hear Pastor John talk and, and tell stories? And he said, oh, sometimes John's stories and history stuff is kind of boring. So... So today, I, I, I thought I would just ask him one more time. I said, hey, B, want to come to church? Your dad's going to be the one telling stories. And this is exactly what he said. Uh, no, thanks, dad. I have to do my routine. And he went in and shut his door. So it's, but it's an amazing perspective that children give us on wonder. I mean, this week, uh, my boss had his five-year-old, brand new five-year-old at the office and was clearly not getting anything done. And I, so I just said, hey, why don't you come down to my office? I got a big pad of paper. I know you like to draw. Let's draw. And I was just trying to kind of come up with something to keep her occupied. And I said, I'll tell you what, anything that you can imagine, I will draw. And boy, did she ever get after it. She said, I want you to draw a Yeti. I said, okay. She said, and I think the Yeti is on his way to work, so he needs to have a business suit. I said, even better. 
And then she said, and he needs to be wearing a hat from the Krusty Krab, feverishly Googling, what is the Krusty Krab? Oh, it's a SpongeBob reference. Okay. I'm like, who comes up with these things? This mind so full of imagination and wonder, right? And so today, our, this is kind of the perspective that I want us to, to begin with. As we start this season, this, this idea of wonder, this, a feeling of surprise, that, that's, and this is the official internet definition, by the way, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Wouldn't that be amazing? To begin this season with wonder. And so it's, it's into this sort of desire to experience or re-experience or maybe just remember wonder and imagination that we have this scripture passage that comes to us today. And, and it's really a dream. In fact, if you, you can find it repeated basically word for word in Micah's prophecy as well. And what's so odd about it is that it's just sort of perched precariously sandwiched between all kinds of chapters about gloom and doom. So it's an odd inclusion in the midst of all of this really difficult reality, this dream. Have you ever had a dream that was so vivid and so powerful that it kind of sort of leaked into your, your, your waking moments, that you couldn't escape it, you couldn't get away from it. That's the kind of wonder that I want us to begin with today as we listen to this dream. And it's fascinating that, that God shares this dream with his prophet to share with his people who clearly are on a course that is headed for destruction. And, and I want us to just to think about the themes that we hear in this passage. I mean, we could, we could launch in so many directions about the end of all things and the scope of this vision and what it means to us theologically to be people that embrace this sort of eschatological view about how God will bring all things together and under his reign. I mean, think about those themes that despite the presence of other powers, God will reign. That's a wonderful thing for us to begin to dream about. This idea of the restoration of the city of Jerusalem that will be lifted up, that will draw all nations unto him. A God that will give law, that will write it on the hearts of people and they will walk in his ways and walk in his light and learn his ways. A time in which God will judge between nations and arbitrate conflict to such an extent that he brings justice and the ceasing of all war and violence. A dream of a future in which there is no place for weapons or war. Oh, what a dream that is. A time, an amazing time in which there will be no need for fighting because peace has come. Oh, it's an amazing dream. I say, sign me up. But here's the challenge. If I'm really honest, and maybe there's at least one other person in the room, that when you hear this vision about God reigning, being exalted, lifted up, restoring all the world unto himself, bringing justice and righteousness and bringing peace, this is my reaction. Mm. Anyone else resonate with that? Like, seriously? Like, it's a dream. It's maybe a fever dream, given the evidence currently at hand. And it's easy for us to smirk a little bit. That's, a, I think, officially a smirking face. To smirk a little bit. And say, that, that's, that's great, pastor. 
appreciate the sentiments, wonderful sermon, wonderful vision, but I gotta be honest with you, the current situation doesn't lend itself to belief in that dream. You been there? I remember one morning as I was getting up to, and I was preaching every Sunday and our daughter Emily was up and I think she was angling for whether or not she should show up and listen to dad preach again. She said, hey dad, what's up baby? Are you gonna say anything today that you haven't said before? (laughs) And the smirking face me Here's this dream, this compelling vision of what will be. And we can say, yeah, 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 the restoration of all things, blah, 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 blah. How is it making a difference today? Does that make sense? And as I think about that, in this outrageous dream that we have, it's, it's clear that the fullness of this dream is not yet fully realized, amen? And so it causes me to kind of look deeper for evidence. Well, God, if this is what you promised, God, if this is what you dream for us, if, if this dream is inserted and sandwiched between moments of chaos and destruction, like what evidence is there that this is going to come to or is coming to fruition? And here's what's interesting. The more that I look for evidence to prove that this dream can become a reality, I seem to find evidence that disproves it. Have you noticed that? When we're suspicious that it may come to nothing, everything that we see around us will confirm that belief. So I was talking about this wonderful, positive sermon with May Lou that I was preparing to preach. And she said something that kind of shook me a little bit. She said, you better get your cynicism in check. And that kind of got my attention. And so, you know, I so feverishly began to Google, uh, am I a cynic? And then it was like an hour and a half, just rabbit hole that I went down. Am I a cynic? Am I a realist? What percentage of cynic am I? And it goes on and on and on to the depths of the internet until I am pretty sure that I'm a messed up dude. Oh, it's a dark, dark, dark place. And for me, to think about this dream, honestly, through the glasses of cynicism, it's kind of a difficult thing. Because this is a dream that is not intended to be a description of the current reality. It is, in fact, a description of a future, right? And so here's what's so challenging about this. And that when you are cynical, it is the general feeling of dread that is based on the belief that something is not going to work out well. I mean, it's not pessimism. It's not that everything is bad. It's just the general belief that something is not going to work out. And even more importantly, that probably most people cannot be trusted. And that more often than not, we will see the worst in people. And can I tell you something? That if this is the lens that you view the world through, you are right 100% of the time. For sure. And so, as I think about what is it about this whole cynicism thing, it has to do with how we view the present because of how we think about the future. And so here's what I've come to believe. I feel like there is no hope for a better future. 
sometimes. Does that resonate with any of you? Now, all of you folks that are toxically positive, and I learned that's a thing. You, you say, what in the world is he talking about? I gotta be honest with you, there's probably at least one or two folks in this room, maybe some folks listening online that this deeply resonates with. Because we, the reality on the ground for us is it's difficult to dream dreams any, any longer about the future because everything in the present says there's not much reason to have an expectation for hope and a future. Aren't you glad you came to church today, by the way? And we can kind of get lost in that. And here's what's interesting. We get, we get tired from disappointment. We get tired from pain. At least I do. We get exhausted from that day in, day out, longing for something, and yet we get this kind of different reality so often. And i got to be honest with you, it makes dreaming painful. So I told you that, that Bennett, in his wonderful childlike mind, uh, has begun to, to experience some incredible adult things. He has a job. He's been working for almost a year now at a coffee shop. It's doing amazing things for him. And so he has started now dreaming about things that he wants for his future. He is obsessed with having a debit card. Really, he's obsessed about buying things on the internet. He understands that a money card is how you get there. And so now that he is, is bringing in some money and he is able to, to understand that, oh, if I work, I get these things, he is now dreaming about, drum roll, independence from his parents. So he came in just this week and he said, Dad, I have an idea. He said, and you could see the wheels in his mind working, taking all the things that he knows and all the things that he loves and projecting them into the future. And he said, Dad, I could work at a coffee shop in the gift shop at the train in New Mexico. Like he's got it thought out. And Maley said, well, well, B, I will miss you. I don't know if I want you to move away. And he, he said, Mom, I need to be free. Mom, I need to be on my own. He's dreaming about the future. And it's easy for him. And I've been trying to wrap my mind around what is it that, what is the perspective that enables him to dream freely, to dream big, to dream with abandon, to dream with wonder? And when all that I hear is, you don't understand how a bank account works. You don't understand you could, you could overdraw your account. Do you not understand that you could be taken advantage of? There's zero chance that you could be able to live on your own out there far away from us. And on and on and on. Why? Because I'm filtering the dream through my own experience that says, people can't be trusted. Things don't work out. So how do we reconcile this notion and begin to dream? Because here's the thing about dreaming. When we, we, we filter it through the glasses of the lens of cynicism, sometimes new visions can make old wounds hurt. Oh, isn't that true? Isn't that what we're filtering sometimes, the present and the future through the pain of old wounds. And so I wonder today, if you're like me. You see, I Googled enough to know that I'm really not a pessimist. I'm really not. I, I, I do have longing and belief that there could be something different. And I, and I hope for some things. For crying out loud, I'm a part of a coffee group, and I kid you not, the name of it, our unofficial name of this group is Prisoners of Hope. And it's the saddest thing in the world. We get together, and, and honestly, we're still working through all the things that are wrong with the current state of affairs. We haven't got to the hope part yet. We hope to get there soon. And sometimes we, we commiserate in finding people that resonate with, our, with the wounds that we share. 
the things that, that people have done and where they know better, right? The inequities in systems and powers and principalities and all of those things. And we, we, we commiserate together, and yet sometimes that's the very pain that makes it difficult for us to dream about new things. It's what gets in the way of wonder. And so I do long for some things, though. I long to believe again. I don't mean believe with my head, but believe in my heart like a child. Yes? With, without fear of consequence, without fear of failure, without without fear that something might not work out, without fear of disappointment, but to simply believe again. Long for hope. How about you? Hope that there's somehow a pathway from the present to a preferred future. Even if there's a lot of difficult steps, just to see them or see one of them, that's hope. And I long for wonder. Oh, the day when I can dream, the day when I can imagine, and the world is more full of possibility than it is pain or danger. I long for these things. I wonder, does that sound like you today? So how do we move from this to wonder? How do we do that? How do we move from cynicism to this childlike place of wonder? And so I probably should would say to you that, um, that this is going to sound really basic, what you're going to hear in the next couple of minutes. But remember, I'm just preaching to me, Jason. But how do we do that? How do we begin to move? Well, I think, I think there's a clue in our scripture passage about how we do that. Because here's the thing about wonder is that God speaks this dream in the midst of all the things that were wrong. He speaks this dream. And so sometimes when we hear this, this, this idea of a dream, it sounds like God is speaking out into the void where we are, this kind of dream that it's no substance, it's just words or maybe an image and that God is speaking into the darkness, into the void where we are, this absentee kind of dream. And what's fascinating to me is if we really stop and think about it, that, that God does not speak a dream into his absence. He is speaking a dream into where he is actually present. See, his dream is light. When we hear this, this dream described in Isaiah and in Micah, there is reference to it being the light of God. And so he's speaking this dream into our darkness where in fact he also is. And so often when we lose wonder, it's because so we, we get in our minds that it's, this is what it will look like when God is present, when all things are brought to their fullness. But in the meantime, God seems conspicuously absent and silent, and it is dark. But what if, what if that God is speaking this dream into our lives because he is present? And despite all the evidence of how dark it is that he is, in fact, speaking light into our lives. And so it is into the darkness of cynicism that we hear this phrase. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. You guys remember who Jacob was, by the way? He wrestled with God for proof 
of blessing. Wrestled so much that he walked with a limp. That sort of describes my spiritual journey. If I get to heaven, I'm going to be limping all the way, right? Oh, house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's how we begin to move from cynicism to wonder, to walk in the light of the Lord. You say, now what kind of pat Sunday school answer is that? Right? What kind of oversimplified Pollyanna response is that to walk in the light of the Lord? What does that even mean? Well, here's what I think it means. Belief, hope, and even wonder are responses to the light that has shone into darkness that the darkness has not overcome. No matter how dark it is, light has come. Light is here. It is with us. And you may not see a step in front of your face, but it is there. Sometimes it is in the silence of God that we can finally hear him. Psalm 46. Be still. Sit with your cynicism. Sit still with your unbelief and the quiet. And every time there's a whisper at the end, I'm here. So when we believe, when we have hope, when we have wonder, we're not creating something from nothing. We are simply reaching out to what is already there despite all the evidence that we can see, taste, touch, smell, or feel. So what does that look like, though? Can we, can we consciously choose wonder? And isn't that like stepping into the dark, not knowing where to put your foot next? I told you that I used to be one of your pastors, and one of my duties back in the early to mid-90s was to come up at night and make sure that the building was secure. And that really just meant checking a few of the doors, making sure that the alarm was set, all the things. Those were in the less complicated days where we didn't use the church eight days a week. But nonetheless, it was my job to come up and make sure that, that all the things were in order. And so every night I would come up around 10 o'clock and I would walk through the building to make sure all the lights were off and all the doors were secured. And so I knew the building so well that I would not turn on all the lights to see where I was going. And so I, I would always end up over on this side of the atrium and I would walk across in the dark, across the atrium to over here where we would set the alarm. That was the routine. And so one particular night, Tyler was with me and Tyler couldn't have been more than about four years of age. And I said, you know what, T, why don't you come with me? We're going to go to the church. We're going to lock it up. It'll be good times. It'll be fun. So Tyler was kind of with me, and he kind of was, was bebopping along, and we walked around the circumference of the church. We came to this side over here, and I said, now, buddy, I said, it's going to be dark. Because in those days, I don't know why it was extra dark. I think in those days, we probably didn't have parking lot lights that worked. I don't think we had security lights. And so when the lights went out in the atrium, it was like cave dark. And I said to him, I said, hey, buddy, I said, we're going to walk across here. And I said, it's not very far. I said, but it, it is dark. And I said, you just keep moving and follow my voice and we'll get to the other side. Right? And so I kind of took off and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder where he ought to be. And we got about halfway across and all of a sudden I hear this timid little voice say, dad, I love you. What was he doing? He was stepping into the unknown, into the dark, because I was already there. That's wonder. 
That is wonder. That is hope. That is belief. And so today is not just a believe harder sermon. Please don't hear that, right? This isn't a have more faith sermon. This isn't a just suck it up and find wonder kind of thing. No, it's not that at all. Because that implies that somehow we do something that God responds to. God is already here. And so really what I'm encouraging you to do is to step into the void and believe that he's there. And if you sit in the quiet long enough with your cynicism and your unbelief, you will hear his voice. And so I wonder... What if it were possible to have a wonder reset? Like, what if? What if, Jason? What if this isn't about me? What if this is about what God's already done, but somehow I can respond differently? I can maybe pick up a whole new set of glasses and begin to see, and all of the evidence around me might add up to something totally different. Like, what if? And, and so what's interesting to me is how the season of Advent mirrors the season of Lent in the church. The season of Lent is a time of reflection in which we sort of do without things to remind ourselves of a truth. Yes? Shake your heads. It's true. Well, the season of Advent is also to be a, a contemplative journey with us. But... but fasting and doing without doesn't seem to quite right. And so what if we could just add some things? What if we could have a wonder reset where we added some specific practices just for a little while to see if we can reset wonder in our lives? Remember I said that this is probably an anti-sermon. I'm preaching probably just to me. So this is what I'm going to be doing. But since I'm talking in front of you, I would invite all of you to try at least for the first week this wonder reset with me. Here's what we're going to do first. What if, I'm just saying, we intentionally replaced darkness with light in our lives? You say, what are you talking about? How many hours do you spend scrolling through all of the hatred and the nihilism and the emptiness on your Instagram, on your Facebook, on your all the other things that I don't even know that are out there stuff. Like what if we just said, I'm gonna replace that with light. Find a playlist, read a book, take a walk, but take the time that you invest on a daily basis walking around and saying, yep, it's dark outside. What if we take that time and begin to intentionally put something in that reminds us there is light in the world? Second thing, I challenge us to be intentional with gratitude. How many of you at work have a boss that does the, the overly generic sort of thank you? Like, hey, I just want to tell you, you're doing a really great job. Keep it up, right? That's not, that's not this. This is intentionally every day finding someone in your life and stopping them, looking in their eyes human to human and saying, let me tell you about something that, that, that you do that makes a profound impact on my life. And tell them how grateful you are for that. Because see, the glasses that we've had on said people can't be trusted, people ultimately fail. We need to intentionally remind ourselves that there are faithful people, there are good people, and that there is joy and wonder in people. So I challenge you not only to replace darkness with the light, but to be intentional about vocalizing gratitude. 
Next step. What if? I see a few of you laughing like, oh yeah, he's going there, isn't he? I challenge you to be intentional about showing mercy. See, this is the hard part. When you have your sin at glasses on, you're pretty sure that people are gonna fail you, and so you just sort of relish the opportunity when they blow things up so that you can say, yep, I told you so. Oh, what if we could find a way to show mercy? Sometimes showing mercy is in what we say. Sometimes showing mercy is in what we don't say. But be intentional about articulating daily mercy for someone. And then here's the last one. I didn't want to throw too much spiritual stuff at you, okay? So I could have like done a commercial like Jason would do about joining a disciple. I could have done a commercial about Wednesday nights, all the things. I'm, I'm not going there. This is low impact, entry level hope stuff. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Because if you've worn your cynic glasses long enough, you're sitting there going, I don't even know if I believe. So here's my challenge to you. Somewhere in a car, somewhere where you are alone, I would not recommend this in a public place, maybe right off the bat, pray out loud. Like say the actual words. Because sometimes saying things out loud helps us bypass the internal conversation that happens when we're quiet. So pray out loud. And then this is the other part of it. After you pray out loud, and it's okay, I, God is big enough to sit with us in our cynicism. We can. Articulate all these things out loud, all these things that make it difficult to believe and have wonder and hope and faith. And then sit still and just listen. And see if in fact what you hear is just a whisper that says, I'm still here. And maybe somehow in all of this, we can have a wonder reset. Have you noticed the posture that all of this takes? It makes us vulnerable again, doesn't it? It, it? it makes it where we have to put ourselves in a position of receiving something we do not have. And so we're going to participate together now corporately in a ritual that we do every single week. And today, this is going to be the posture that we will take. We want those that will be helping us serve to come and begin to prepare the elements. In just a few moments, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper together. And those of you that would, would like to be able to come down front to our servers that will be here face-to-face -face serving you, you can pass down the pew to your left and make your way down to the front. If for health reasons or other reasons you would, would, would be desiring to have that in a, in a, a sort of individually packaged kind of situation. We have that available at the back for you as well. Remember, this is not about the modality of receiving it. It is about the posture of receiving. And so when you come, person that has the bread will give you the bread and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You'll then take it and dip it in the cup. And they will remind you that this is the body of Christ broken for you. And so in this moment, the, the spiritual act of stepping out is like my son saying, into the darkness, I love you. Even if the way in front of you is dark and cynical, he's here. So this morning, I ask that you would allow this simple cup, this piece of bread, to be a tangible reminder that there is, in fact, light in the darkness. 
and that maybe, just maybe, there's a place for wonder in your heart again. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks for it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said to them, take and eat, for this is my body that is broken for you. In the same way, he later lifted the cup, the cup of salvation, and reminded them, this is the, my blood, the blood of the new covenant, blood that is shed for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take these elements, that you would consecrate them, and that you would help our partaking to be an act of faith today. Not a proclamation that we have it all figured out, but in Lord, just the opposite. That when we don't, and we're not even sure we can believe that you're still there. So God, make space in our hearts for wonder and hope at the beginning of this season. We pray it in your strong name. Amen. As you're ready, stand. Exit your pew on the left and come forward and be served or find the servers in the back. just a moment we'll be going to the Lord in prayer once everyone is served but I would invite you to go ahead and bow your heads close your eyes and just sit in silence for a moment as we prepare to go to the Lord heads bowed and your eyes closed, whether you're seated in this auditorium today or whether you're 
watching online. Join me in this prayer of confession. Oh, Father God, we confess to you that far too often we have lost our sense of wonder. That we have learned to see the world through the eyes of a cynic. We find it more difficult to trust, to hope, and believe. And God, we confess that far too often we have allowed the pain of the past and the wounds, the hurt, the disappointment to become disillusionment. And God, we confess that far too often what we see is darkness. So God, today we confess that to you And in solidarity, whether we are watching online or whether we are seated together, we've taken a step into the darkness today. Because in the stillness and the quiet of our hearts, we still hear your voice. And so we have taken this tiny act of faith. And this week we will intentionally partake in some practices to make just enough space to give hope a foothold. And God, we confess that we do so with a certain amount of fear and trepidation and maybe just a bit of skepticism. But God, we come to you today creating this space for you to come and inhabit with light. And so help us, God, today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the day after, to be people who are endeavoring to walk in light just as much as we are here and now. So we thank you, God, that we can bring to you our prayers of confession. We can bring to you our doubt and that you can receive it and fold it into your light. And so, God, as we continue in prayer, hear the prayers for our congregation and for our spiritual family as we continue in your presence. Church, as we move towards those moments of intercessory prayer, I want to let you know of a loss in the life of the church. Just yesterday, our wonderful saint, Naoma Tidwell, passed away yesterday morning in the early hours of the morning. Many of you will know Naoma as a wonderful woman who would sit right over here in the church. She often would wear a walker and would have oxygen at times. And she had a very raspy voice. I know many of you will remember Naoma. And just around 5 a.m., she breathed her last breath. We'll remember her this week at a service. I'll be meeting with the family tomorrow. And if you're interested in supporting and coming alongside of that family in that funeral, uh, the information will be, can be easily found on the Mercer Adams website, which this is a funeral home they'll be using. Would you pray along with me for a variety of needs? But let's begin with prayer for Naoma. And Jesus, we are grateful for the life of Naoma Tidwell and ask God that you would bless the family, all of her brothers and sisters and family, children and grandchildren that will surround her in love. And God, we ask that you would be with them this week as they mourn, as they remember, and as they come alongside of one another. Thank you for the gift of Naoma to this church family, for her faith, for her generosity, for her spirit, for her smile and for a friendship. And God, we ask that you would bless and your presence would surround this family. And we also take this time in prayer to pray with all who've experienced loss, especially all who may have experienced a recent Thanksgiving and now upcoming Christmas time without a specific and close loved one in their life. God, we ask that you would come alongside of those who mourn, those who will stand and sit with their grief, those who miss those who've gone before us as part of our great cloud of witnesses. God, would you be with those who've experienced loss? God, we want to take a few moments in prayer to pray for your healing for those that we love. God, we ask that you would continue in the healing of Bonnie Goodwin. 
not just in the loss of her sister, but God, as she recovers from surgery. God, we ask for your healing in her life and that you would be with her family as they surround her in love. Pastor Lee mentioned that Pastor John has undergone successful surgery and is doing well, but God, we ask that you would continue to do a good work in John and his hearing and you would come alongside of him and his family, that you would continue to be with him as he recovers from his surgery. God, we ask that you would be with Rihanna Jurgensen's little foster baby, now toddler, Timmy, as he's been hospitalized with infections. And God, we ask that you would be with Rihanna and your healing would be with Timmy. God, we ask that you would come alongside of all of Logan in the days to come as she anticipates a surgery. We pray for my friend Braylon Friday in Tulsa, probably watching online right now, that you would, God, continue to foster his call to ministry. And God, we ask you would continue to be with Drew and his heart. God, what a joy it is this morning to see Dr. Mark Riegert here and a joy and honor for me to pray with him for a moment. God, would you continue the healing of his heart? And in these moments, we want to take time to have you pray for that person in your life who you love, who you know needs a healing touch from God for whatever reason you have. So as Jeremy plays, would you pray for that person in your life who you love that you want God to come alongside in a very special way? praying for my friend Matthew Larson. And in these moments, I want you to, even in the midst of Advent, to have a moment to pray for those, your enemy, your opposite, your irritant, as Christ asks us to pray, even for those who we have a difficult time with. Would you pray for them or have the courage to ask God that someday you might want to pray for them in these moments? And before we go to the Lord's Prayer, let's just have 30 seconds of silence. I'm even going to ask Jeremy to stop playing and just listen to see what God would have for us in this season of Advent, in this season of wonder. Now, would you pray this prayer along with me? You'll see it on the screens in front of you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.